Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Jack Thurston, VP of Marketing at Butcher Joseph. Jack, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Now, Engage Your Tribe is brought to you by Tribal Knowledge Podcasting. We're a full-service B2B podcasting agency. And we help B2B brands use podcasting as a fun and efficient way to have authentic, non-salesy conversations with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. You can learn more at tribknowledge.com. So, Jack, tell us a little bit about your background in marketing and about Butcher Joseph. Sure. Yeah, I've been... Um... 20, 20 year veteran in financial services marketing, predominantly worked for four firms over the course of my career. Started out as a journalist in the Navy after college, got an MBA, mainly worked in B2B. I've done some B2C working in private wealth management, but a lot of my experience is in investment banking and commercial banking, as well as some experience on the institutional asset management side. In terms of Butcher Joseph, we are a straight M&A shop. We do sell-side engagements, we do some buy-side work, and then we also have a specialty practice where we do employee stock ownership plans where CEOs can sell their business to their employees instead of a third party. And then we have a valuation business as well where we do valuation for companies that are looking to potentially sell. Okay, very good. So what does it mean to be a journalist in the Navy, by the way? Yeah, it was a fun experience. So you actually, it's a five-year commitment and you go through almost one year of school. So I did five months of broadcast journalism where you do everything from operating B-roll cameras to being an anchor to also doing radio. And then you do five months of print, which incorporates learning how to design a, a newspaper learning how to go out and gather stories, as well as I was the first class at Defense Information School that learned digital editing when mm. they moved on from traditional film into digital. So that was neat. In terms of what I did, I was actually an anchor for WDIS Channel 2, and then I was also a uh, reporter for The Final Cut, which was the newspaper at Fort Meade, Maryland. And I did sports and I did some hard news. That sounds, that sounds like a really good experience, like a really good way to learn that business. It is. It was, it was really fun. I actually tried to stay in the industry when I got out of the military. I tried to get a job in broadcast journalism, but mm -hmm. the only interview I got was in Boise, Idaho for not much more than I was making in the military. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I figured it was maybe time to leverage some of my skills that I learned and, and move into a different career path. And marketing was a natural fit because I could go out and write a story. I could interview people. Right. I started out as a copywriter. I mean, I basically spent the first three years of my career writing brochures and product slicks for very complicated, complex financial services vehicles on the uh, commercial banking side. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it really, it, it, it's the reason I'm in marketing now. I was an English major undergrad and was going to be a teacher and decided I was going to join the military and, and be a journalist and travel instead. And so I, I guess it all worked out in the long run. It, in, indeed. Yeah. I think journalism is a tough industry to, to break into yeah. and, and to make any kind of decent living at it first. And these days, especially, I mean, over the last couple of decades, it's just like the, the financial fortunes have just gone to, you know, gone to hell really. So I, I think you're in a good place. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> you I'm ended ha- up. In I'm the right happy place. I didn't wind up in journalism. Uh, well, you, friend... you would, might not have been able to stay there for long. You know, it's just yeah. the the there there are more people getting losing jobs in journalism than there are gaining jobs. Yeah, and in broadcast, you have to be like the top of the top to make a real living. You know, otherwise yeah. you're in like some small town in Indiana doing the nightly news. So um... yeah, right. I mean, I I'm actually in a small town in Indiana, as it so happens. So oh. <laughs> I know what you mean. And by the way, Boise, Idaho is supposed to be actually a pretty cool city. Yeah. But, uh, but okay. In any case, so let's let's talk about <laughs> what you came here to talk about. Sure. <laughs> so now, most B two B companies are not tend not to market on Facebook, right? That's just seen as like a B two C play. But you guys do Absolutely. market on Facebook. So why do you do that? Yeah, we do. It's interesting if you think about our client base. Most of our clients are boomers getting close to retirement. And if you think about the demographic of Facebook, most of the boomers who are on social media are on Facebook, right? They're, they're looking at pictures of their grandkids. They're mm-hmm. staying in contact with, with their family and friends across the country. The same reason that I guess Gen Xers like me use Facebook as well. So we found that one of the best ways for us to reach them through digital advertising would be Facebook. So we're, we're doing display on other we're doing social ads on, on LinkedIn as well, and we're doing traditional SEM, Google ads. We're doing retargeting, but we found that most of the, the clients that we're reaching out to through our integrated marketing campaigns, email, et cetera, are all on Facebook. And we're, we're actually able to locate them through our digital agency mm-hmm. and, and serve ads to them in that manner. Okay. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> it, it's crazy, isn't it, how quickly the social media world moves? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Facebook was the cool new thing. Yeah. And, you know, it was just the cutting edge. And now, exactly like you're saying, like, young people are not on Facebook. I mean, my kids, I have 20-year-old kids, they're twins. I don't, they, I think they have Facebook pages, but they're never on it. I mean, ever. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have a 14-year-old, almost 15-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son, and they're on TikTok and yeah. Instagram. Right. And they have a Facebook account, but it's really just to troll their parents and make sure we don't post any <laughs> pictures of them that they don't want floating around right. on social media. <laughs> right. So, okay. So obviously Facebook works for you guys for the reasons that you just described. So what, what's your strategy behind how you market on Facebook? You've mentioned digital ads, but tell us a little more about that. You know, strategically, how do you, how do you plan out what you're going to do on Facebook? Yeah, so it's all part of a larger campaign. So we have targeted audiences that we market to for different segments, right? So we have a list of about four or 5,000 CEOs of companies that are not employee-owned. We're able to target a specific age demographic. So we're looking at like 50-year-old CEOs of privately-owned companies to market to them to potentially sell into an ESOP. Another audience we have is a list of about 2,000 employee-owned companies that we market our recapitalization services to. So these are all part of different target segments that we that are all part of our integrated campaign strategy. So we're doing email to them. We are targeting them through digital advertising and serving them ads through retargeting, we're also building lookalike audiences based on these different folks. We target them to a couple hundred financial services and business newspapers like the Wall Street Journal that they might be visiting and do retargeting through there. 
So these are the same people that we're targeting through social. So our, our strategy is to really kind of focus on high quality, specific business owners that, that meet the criteria that we've set in terms of revenue size, et cetera. And those are the people that we're serving to as part of our campaign. So we're not just blindly trying to figure out, you know, if someone's a certain age and, and marketing to them or targeting them with ads on Facebook, we're, we're generally targeting based off of our existing database of people that are part of our larger campaign. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So like, what, what have you learned about what does not work on Facebook for your purposes? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I find Facebook to be, at least for me, and you know, I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. I find it to be a, probably the only non-Amazon site that I wind up buying off of, right? So I'm, mm. I'll be on Facebook and I'll get served up a t-shirt. I'm a music junkie. I play in a couple bands and I'm like, I got to have that Jerry Garcia t-shirt. And I'm like, how do they know I, I, I know Jerry, or how do they know I like the Grateful Dead? Well, that's because I'm in a couple Grateful Dead groups and I post stuff about the Grateful Dead. So what I find interesting about Facebook is they just, it's so powerful. They have so much data. It, it makes it really easy to market. And I bought plenty of stuff off ads on Facebook. I guess I regret, you know, I kind of hate that I do that, but it, it's effective. It works. In terms of what doesn't, or what I've learned, I guess, is that you have to be pretty, you know, you could, you could blow through your money pretty quickly, right? You can mm. go through your ad spend. So you, you have to really have a strategy and a plan in place and, and have a specific demographic that you want to market to and stick to that. You know, otherwise, if you're, if you're just trying to throw uh, paint at the wall and see if it sticks, you're going to blow through your budget pretty quickly. Okay. Good point. So, I mean, one thing I'm taking away from what you're saying is you guys use Facebook because that's where your audience is. And it's just like a really efficient way to reach them. So it would seem like for other B2B companies who are thinking about like, is Facebook a thing for us? The number one question would be, well, is your audience there? If they are, then okay, look into it. If not, then probably not. Is it as simple as that? Or like, what would be your message to other, you know, B2B marketers? Is there a case to be made generally for checking out Facebook or does it, is it all dependent on if that's where your audience is? Yeah, I think there's a couple things you have to take into consideration. So, you know, what we do, all, all of our digital advertising is really talking to people who are potentially thinking about selling their company, who are worried about capital gains, taxes on their business. So we have a pretty, you know, pretty tight message and the, the, the pages, the landing pages that we drive to people to explain to them, you know, some of the different options they could have if they want to sell their business. Most people just think of, you know, private equity or, or a competitor. A lot of people don't realize you can sell to your employees. So, you know, they're educational in manner. And then we also offer a free feasibility analysis. So that's basically like a 30 page document where we collect data on companies, their financials, and we'll come back to them and say, you know, this is what your company's worth. If you were to sell it to a competitor, if you were to sell it to financial buyer, and if you're going to sell it to an ESOP, and then we'll show them what the outcomes could look like. We'll tell them why their business is valued, you know, at maybe four times EBITDA versus nine times. It's based on, you know, what's your, is your, do you have a diverse client base? Do you have sticky products? Do you have, you know, if you have all of your 80% of your revenues concentrated in one or two clients, you're not going to get 10 times EBITDA for your business. You're going to get probably more like four because there's a lot of risk. So there's, we basically help business owners kind of understand 
all the different factors that goes into their valuation of their company and, and what an outcome could look like if, if they were um, to sell their business. So that's a lot different than trying to sell $200,000 worth of software, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, these are people that are, they own their business. They never stop working. When you own a company, you're always working. You're always thinking about your company. You're always thinking about, you know, how you're going to grow revenue, et cetera. A lot of people don't think about selling. So getting that message in front of them, you know, people, we've run into people that are in the mid fifties and they've never even thought about a succession plan. They have kids that don't want the business and they have no idea what they're going to do with it. Right. So mm -hmm. our message is specifically for those business owners to kind of help them and get the wheels rolling on thinking about like, Hey, what do I want to do over the next three to five years? We're not, you know, we're not a hard sell to where like, you know, you fill out a feasibility and we're going to sell your business tomorrow. We're going to help coach and guide them through understanding when is the right time in the market cycle, what are different macroeconomic trends that are going on that can impact the value of their company, et cetera. So it's pretty, it's not a hard sell. It's really more of an educational type of engagement with these folks, which, mm -hmm. you know, if, if I was on Facebook and say I'm a CIO, and I'm thinking about looking at marketing automation platforms. If I get served an ad for Pardot on Facebook, it's going to feel a little bit out of place, I think. So I, I guess to answer your question, really, it, it depends on what your product or service is. I think service yeah. businesses maybe do a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. B2B. Yeah, I hear you. Interesting. So, okay, a couple quick questions here at the end to, to kind of wrap up. What's been your main focus so far in Q1? lead generation and rolling out our event strategy. <laughs> so we're for the first time rolling out a series of networking events for prospects and what we call intermediaries, attorneys, CPAs, um, financial advisors, any type of, um, any type of intermediary that's a referral potential referral source for us, you know, and a financial advisor likely has clients that own a company. And they, they know that and they talk to them about that and they probably help them on their financial planning on what they're going to do post business. So, you know, we try to network with these folks and we give them business, they give us business, referral business. So rolling that series out, we're doing some in St. Louis and we're going to do one in Palm Beach, Florida as well. And then really a big focus for me is like generating quality leads for the bankers to follow up on. Okay. Excellent. What are the top three KPIs that your boss is most focused on? I would say probably the first one is one that's not common, commonly heard, but it's called RAMI, Return on Marketing Investment. Hmm. It's really evaluating how marketing expenses contribute to profitable, profitable revenue growth. And you, we don't really measure it down to the nuts and bolts on like email campaigns. But what we do look at is, you know, what type of return are we getting on paid spend, such as shirt, such as search marketing, mm -hmm. digital marketing, SEM conferences that we, that we send our, our bankers to, like, we want to make sure that they're setting up meetings, that they're meeting with the right folks that we're doing follow-up afterwards. And those are kind of hard, hard costs. And then also content, you know, we spend, we, we do a lot of content in-house, we outsource some content. So really making sure that, you know, we're getting the value for what we spend on, on those different channels and, and content types, including like video and stuff. So that's probably the number one thing that she and I both keep a, a pretty close um, eye on. 
a, a typical one would be, you know, email click-through rates. So we're always, when we're doing campaigns, we're not necessarily looking at opens as much because now with all the, all the updates that you have on your iPhone that kind of blocks people from knowing if you've opened an email, if they're on your website. So a lot of these new privacy rules that, that mm. iPhone and Google have rolled out, I don't think you have accurate open rates. So we're looking through at click-through rates to see mm -hmm. if we, we email 1,500 people in a campaign, how many people actually click through a unique individual click through yeah. on that. And that's a pretty big tell for us versus like looking at open rates. And the other would be, I'd say lead conversion to prospect success rate. So once I've converted someone after, after we've nurtured them and I've converted them from a, from a lead to a contact in Salesforce and sign them to a banker for follow-up, how many of those then get into the prospect bucket? So once mm -hmm. you're a prospect, you go on our pipeline report and it shows that we're in contact with you and that there's a potential opportunity there. The next stage is getting them into feasibility, which is what I told you about that feasibility study. Because once we get people into feasibility, we have like an 85% success rate on closing that deal. Okay, excellent. And lastly, what do you and your team hope to accomplish throughout 2022? I would say continue to build a quality pipeline for our bankers. I mean, at the end of the day, there's, I do a million things, you know, posting content, doing email campaigns, managing all of our digital post deal marketing conferences, et cetera. But at the end of the day, my success is really based on, do we have marketing leads that are converted that eventually turn into a client and generate revenue. So for me, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to, to get three, at least three marketing qualified leads into the prospect pipeline or into feasibility and, and which then gives us a good chance uh, of closing that deal. Okay. Excellent. Well, Jack, thanks so much for all of that. Uh, learned a ton and really interesting. Thanks for a really engaging conversation. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. This was, uh, this was great. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.